What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Alvira, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. Eric, I'm going to start off with something a little bit different today. You and I have talked about food quite a bit here. In particular, we've talked about one type of food that it's been years since I've had. But this morning, and we're recording this on Monday, November 2nd, this morning, I woke up, I went to the fridge, and I cut up myself a honey crisp apple. And it was amazing. I just had one before we started recording. Um, and this is actually... So during the pandemic, um, and I'm going to take this a little bit outside of where you wanted to talk about this, um, but during the pandemic, we've been, uh, a lot of people are doing grocery delivery, things like that, and I had never tried it before, so I downloaded this Instacart app, um, and I figured, hey, it saves me a trip to the store, I don't have to go, and I ordered Honeycrisp apples, was part of the order I had, and... Things come, it takes like, you know, it was an extra 30 minutes from what they said, um, which isn't the end of the world. I, I gave myself plenty of time so I wasn't starving before these groceries came. But I open up my apples that I ordered. I ordered five Honeycrisp apples from Instacart. And every single one was bruised and cut up <laughs> and everything. And I was like, it, it made me so mad and I was so worried about it. And like, I spent hours talking and reviewing and people are like oh yeah they definitely pick out the best produce they don't just lazily do it and here i am opening up my bags of groceries and every single apple that i paid for is just garbage <laughs> absolute um, garbage man that sucks because you know it like i said it's been years since i've had a honey crisp apple and you know i so i really didn't remember what they tasted like but the second I bit into it, it's just it's so much different than a Granny Smith, which I really yep. do enjoy Granny Smith apples. But Granny Smiths are obviously very tart, um, you know, and and the you know, the the Honeycrisp to me, it was like it's different than the Granny Smith in the way that it, it almost tastes more refreshing in yep. some ways. Um, it, it was definitely it was it felt it was it was really nice on my taste buds. I'll just say that. Um, you know, we've got, aside from, you know, talking about the apples and I guess it, it kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, it being Monday, like I said, and currently as we're recording this, the, uh, the giants from, you know, the big apple are actually beaten up on the, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see, uh, we'll see how that second half goes on. Um, you know, if you're listening to this and the Buccaneers end up winning the game, despite being down 14 to six at halftime, then obviously just, you know, disregard everything I just said. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, we've got a good show ahead of you, as always. Eric and I are going to kind of be are going to be reviewing the games that him and I were at this past week. Um, and Eric was actually at a couple of different games this week. I know uh, he actually took in some eight man football, so I'll let him talk about that. But uh, we're also going to be looking ahead to week six now of the Arizona high school football season. And normally that wouldn't be too big of a deal, but we're getting down to the very end. Some teams have two games left. Some teams have three games left or in the case of other teams you may not have any games left because you're quarantined for covid which has kind of been the most dis obviously disappointing thing for several teams this season and obviously very unfortunate as well and you know we're hoping that everyone is okay is healthy and gets over everything just fine but 
Um, that's kind of the time that we're living in right now. And, um, you know, the, the volleyball season's wrapping up here pretty soon. Um, you know, golf championships already took place. Um, swimming is happening, I believe, within the next couple of days, actually. I believe they're actually on... Um, on Friday, I believe it's on, uh, it's the actual swimming finals on Friday. Badminton, I believe is the week after. So, you know, fall sports are wrapping up and winter sports are, uh, are starting to get going here and sooner rather than later, Eric and I are going to be talking some basketball and maybe a little soccer as well. Cause I know Eric's a big soccer guy. So we're also going to be joined by Richard Smith. Does a great job covering West Valley preps over there, obviously in the West Valley. Um, you know, obviously we get, we get to know him a little bit more in these meet the media segments that we have. Um, we're also going to talk to him about, you know, the season and the games that he's going to be covering this week and kind of what his expectations are for the season as a whole, as we get pretty close to the playoffs here. Uh, very excited to have him join us. Um, but in the meantime, Eric, let's go ahead and touch on some of the games that you and I actually were at this week. Before I get into that, I just am uh, imagining that swimming is maybe the one sport you could do socially distanced. You could have everyone in their own pool and just like yeah. start it at the same time. And then do you, I mean, you really, you really could. I, I think they're actually doing it in person though. And I know, um, no, I'm just yeah. I'm making stuff up. My sister, no, no, just it's a funny. College swimmer, and I told her that's what they should do for. Her uh, Tulane uh, for her D one swim meets should be over Zoom, but no, it's funny you say that. that. No, it's funny you say that because they actually are. Um, earlier this wow. season, I believe it was Red Mountain and Mountain View. No, no, no. I'm sorry. One of one of those Mesa schools actually had a meet against Xavier, and they actually did it online. It was a remote swim meet. So you laugh now, but it actually did happen. And not only that, but for this, for the, uh, for the championships, uh, I think, like I said, Friday, um, you know, those, there's no fans allowed. So fans are only able to watch it via a webcast, like from NFHS, you know, or whoever else could be doing maybe like individual schools, but, um, only media is allowed to actually attend in person and be on the pool deck. That's crazy. Uh, and I mean, I get it, but um it's it's just a weird time um and i was i was joking but apparently they are they're resilient enough to to do stuff like that um but getting back to football i went to um the 6a game i went to valley vista at mountain ridge was a blowout um it got semi close for a little bit but mountain ridge really never looked like they were going to lose this game um I was there with Coach Perone, um, who does my recruits on Twitter, and he and I were uh, were thinking that there was a chance for a while. Brendan Anderson, their sophomore quarterback, ended the game with five touchdown passes. Um, the 6A record is seven, set by Jacob Conover a couple years ago uh, and tied with Miguel Valdivinos of La Jolla last year. And they... Uh, I thought that record was going down. He spent Anderson most of the uh, second half, almost the whole second half on the bench and because they were up so much. And I, I wonder if they had kept him in, whether that record would have stood or not. Um, It was, I almost was facetiously wanting the defense to start giving up more points so that they had to keep scoring, but uh, it was not meant to be. And, you know, there were some, 
there were some good performances. Um, I uh, the defense scored a touchdown, um, which helped their huge scoring day. But overall, Mountain Ridge looked really good in this one. Um, and Valley Vista is not a tremendous team, but they're not a slouch. And then um, they had they were actually missing uh, Derek English, who's one of their stud sophomore receivers. Um, he was out just with a sprain ankle, but he'll be back. And, you know, overall, I was just impressed with the effort Mountain Ridge put out. They've got a game against South Point. They're playing in Tucson next week. So that's going to be a really tough one. Um, we'll see kind of how they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talk to me about uh, Tempe Prep and Cicero. This was one of the weirder games I've ever seen. Um, and I had never seen eight game football. You and I texted a little bit back and forth about this, but both rosters had about 15 ish people, maybe 20. Um, and both teams played almost all their guys, like a bunch of their starters played both sides of the ball. Um, and there's three on the line for offense. And then, you know, they, they shorten the fields, the same length, but they, um, they shorten the width of it. So it's still pretty wide open. And they just, a lot of these kids put up absolutely absurd stat lines. And one in particular was a kid, a senior by the name of John Siegel um, for Cicero Prep. Even though they lost, he had a game that if it were on a higher level, would have just like absolutely won him Cardinals um, game uh, player of the week. He had two touchdown rushes, two interceptions, a sack, and a blocked PAT. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, if you have that <laughs> at a high school game at a higher level, you are an all-star. Like, that is... <laughs> so good for him. He was balling, man. Um, yeah. The team, they ended up losing um, 45-33, but he kept the team in the game. That's awesome. Um, my Friday night, I was at, uh, Cronadel soul. The Aztecs were hosting mountain point, um, mountain point. You know, I thought this was going to be the week that they maybe turned it around and maybe were a little bit more competitive than in weeks past, but man, Cronadel soul, when I say they came out and wanted to establish a tone and establish a physical presence right away. I almost would be it would almost be an understatement because they came out and they were 110 percent ready to go. Um, they jumped all over Mountain Point from the very beginning. They quickly grew to a 35 point lead, and that's what they took into the locker room at halftime. They ended up winning 45 to nine. Mountain Point's only score came literally as time expired uh, in the, at the end of the game. Um you know, Quade Swearingen, uh, Anyale Velasquez, they're, they're six foot one, 225 pound running back. Uh, Mitch Coakley, uh, Jake Schmidt, they've got so many weapons on that offense. And I'm talking about Corona del Sol, obviously. Um, you know, and looking at their schedule, it's right in front of me Dobson, Westview, Mountain View. Uh, obviously, that Mountain View game is going to be, you know, a little bit more difficult because the Toros are also five and oh right now. But Eric, I'm telling you right now, we could be talking about Corona del Sol breaking into the open division with an undefeated record. Yeah. Man. Um, and, I, you know, depending on, I guess it really does depend on where they fall. Um, are they ready to take on the likes of Chandler and Hamilton? I'm not so sure yet. 
Um, they haven't really been battle tested as much as, as I would like to see before they go. And I would like to say, you know, or before I say that they can be competitive against teams like that. And honestly, I don't know what teams can be competitive against those two and Saguaro included in that one as well. Um, but I don't know, man, like we saw, you know, the thing is you and I saw a desert edge team play cactus and to me, the Cactus team is very close and similar when it comes to the overall style of play and the athletes that they have that Corona has. So I almost would think, and, and this is obviously assuming that Desert Edge is in the open division, I feel like a, a Desert Edge Corona del Sol matchup in the open division would be one of the best games in the opening round. Um, now, again, both teams obviously would have to make it. I'm just, you know, being, you know, obviously it's, it's all hypothetical what I'm, what I'm throwing out there right now, but I mean, Corona del Sol and Mountain View, if they link up at the end of the season, both 7-0, and that literally could be the deciding factor between open division or 6-8 playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it all depends on where each team would get ranked. Uh, I mean, if they're like an 8 or 7 seed or even like a 6 seed, you know, it's going to be a tough go for them, I think, in the in the quarterfinals. But if they can somehow climb their way up to be in like a five four matchup, depending on who that four seed is, their five seed of five seed is, depending on where they where they obviously end up. I mean, Corona del Sol could actually surprise some people. This is a very, very much improved team from the last couple of years in the in the Corona del Souls that we've been used to overall in the past, man, five years, six years. Absolutely. It's uh you said something that is interesting to me, um, and you t- it was when you talked about how Chandler and Hamilton kind of still might be a class ahead, and uh, Saguaro as well. And I think that's the case a lot of people think for the you know the majority of teams. And I think what we need to realize maybe is that just because maybe we don't think a team can compete with them, that doesn't mean that they're not an open level. No, team. not at all. And, no, and not that's at all. what's kind of yeah. interesting about this season is that, you know, uh, regardless of whether you think they have a tough schedule or not, going undefeated in 6A is a real accomplishment. Um, every single one of those schools has, um, you know, even the ones that are uh, uh, that haven't won a game yet or have struggled, have college level athletes on them on the football field. You have to really work to get if they're going to end up with an 80-0 record to get there. Um, especially on, uh, you know, a Mountain View team and a Corona del Sol team that assuming that it gets to that point were the 15 and 16 seeds in the playoffs last year to, to make this huge of a jump is, you know, it's amazing. Um, and all power to those kids and the coaching staffs over there. It's really exciting. No, it, it definitely is. And yeah, no, we weren't saying that to, you know, say that they just literally have zero chance whatsoever. Of course. Um, It's just one of those things where at this point, I just don't know what teams can compete with those other top three that I mentioned. Um, You know, I personally haven't seen any team that can, that's up to that level right now. And, and that's not a knock on anybody else. It's just the flat out fact that Chandler has, it, what 20 division one players on their roster i mean come on like who like hamilton's kind of the same way saguaro's the same way you know centennial from from what it what it seems like they actually played uh chandler very very close 
for the first quarter or so and a half. So, um, you know, obviously that's, that's one of those teams that is just battle tested every single year. They always play a really tough schedule. They've got a hall of fame coach. Um, but I mean, other than that, like there's not many teams that can go toe to toe with those guys. Um, which is almost why some teams I feel like would rather be in the six, a championship, you know, playoffs rather than the open because they might, you know, have a better chance to actually not just play one game and then be done. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's uh, and if you ask any of the players, the reason that they got there is they believe in themselves. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you're going to hear a player say, even if they in one, in some weird sense, believe um, that they shouldn't play in the open, um, which I don't think you're going to, uh, no one's ever going to say that. No, um, not at all. But you're right. There is, I mean, Liberty, if the idea is that the open is better than the other teams who had the better season last year, Centennial who lost in the open first round or Liberty who ended up winning the championship and won four playoff games. See, and that's, that's the thing that I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around as well. It's like, would you rather be known as one of the best eight teams in the state or would you rather have a championship trophy? Like, obviously, the first one sounds better. But then when you if you say like, oh, yeah, well, we were one of the best eight teams in the state. But, you know, we lost in the quarterfinals to Chandler by, you know, 30 or 40. And then then alternatively, you can say, yeah, we played against a bunch of other six, a teams and we won the championship. Like what, like what, what's better in your opinion? It's, it's weird. So objectively it should be that, um, you made the open because that assumes that based on your regular season, you are better than the other teams in the six, a through four, a playoffs. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, I think specifically of, how about Horizon last year? Um, they go on the run they had, losing just one game in the regular season to Pinnacle, who was also an open team. Um, and then they, instead of being in the 5A bracket, where even with their quarterback out, they would have had a legitimate chance of um, playing against some really good 5A competition they lose 49 to three against Saguaro in the first round. Like that's demoralizing. And I don't know. I, I think it just depends how uh, the season ends. It's easy to be 2020. You could easily be a team like Brophy who was the two seed in the six, a playoffs and still lose in the, um, and still lose in the first round to mountain view. So it, it's easy to look back and question it but i think if you're good enough to be in the open team you just want to be there yeah and you know like i've seen horizons field um obviously they have turf but you know they still have open eight on their field and that's something very cool to look back on now the thing is it's like for that instance you can say okay we're we're part of history we're the first eight teams to ever compete for a true state championship but now that it's in year two like, is that, does it have the same feeling? Especially like, like we just said, if you go and you lose by 40 to a team like Chandler or a team like Hamilton, Saguaro, or, you know, even Desert Edge, obviously Desert Edge is, is a very good team. Um, 
you know, it does it have the same feeling as it did last year, in your opinion? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. Um, I think you ask the Liberty guys that won or the uh, the Williamsfield guys from last year that won in 5A, and they're so happy that they were able to win the championship. But maybe in the back of their heads, they're thinking, hey, could we have done this in the open? Um, or how about Desert Edge, who people think are in an open, or Mesquite that people think are a, a chance of being in the open this year? Um, it's it's hard to say. And like I said, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, but... I don't know. It it is something to say you were one of those teams that ascended past your conference. And it just because it ends with a loss doesn't mean it wasn't objectively an amazing season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um you know, it's almost kind of like, you know, we talked about the Suns a lot with with Espo last week. It's com- almost like the Suns going 8-0 and not making the playoffs in the bubble. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like it's like if you're if you're a team like Corona or Mountain View, when you guys have to play each other, where you're likely going to be seven and zero, you know, if you're seven and one or if you're eight and zero, like, would you rather? If you're seven and one, do you think you deserve to be in the open, or are you content with, you know, sticking to the six A playoffs? Um, I don't know. Or like, or if you're Corona, maybe because your schedule wasn't that strong, if you make if you get to eight and zero. And you get left out. Do you feel like you deserve to get a shot at the open? Yeah. And I mean, we can talk ourselves in circles here. Yeah. Um, but I want to get into what is coming up this next week. And it is the it's November. Um, I assume you don't do no shave November, right? Uh, no, I, well, I can't I can't grow anything anyway. So yeah, even if so I yeah. did no shave, then it, it, do, it would look like you know, a 12 year old trying to grow something. So yep. that's and why I shave no matter course, what. Mine gets too long, so I'm not going to do that either. Yeah. Um, but what it means is we've got a couple weeks left in the season. Um, there's some awesome games coming up with potential playoff implications, things of that sort. Where are you planning on being this weekend? So I know what people are going to think, but I have yet to see Chandler this year. So I am going to go see them at Desert Vista. Um, Desert Vista, it's no surprise. They're young and they're struggling right now. They're trying to get some momentum. Now, the thing is, um, and I was actually talking to Chili about this earlier today. If you're a team like Desert Vista, how young you are, you know, at this point, you look at every time you have a solid possession or a solid defensive stop against some of these teams because they have a brutal schedule i mean they played hamilton last week and they've got chandler this week and then on a bye week um and who knows if if they pick up i mean i hate to i hate to sound crazy but uh saguaro needs a game next week so maybe desert vista just for the sake of you know i don't know not necessarily throwing your guys to the wolves no pun intended but do you do you allow your kids that are super young to see that type of experience at the varsity level? Do you allow them to go up against that type of competition? I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, I I I guess if Sawara doesn't call them, I don't think Desert Vista is going to reach out to them. But who knows? I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, no, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to go see Chandler and Desert Vista. I have yet to see Chandler this year in a game. 
Um, I and I kind of want to honestly see how Desert Vista reacts against a, a team with that much talent. Um, obviously, they played Hamilton. I wasn't able to see that game, but from what it sounds like, Desert Vista actually played pretty solid for for the situation that they're in. So um, I'm excited to see, like I said, Chandler in person, trying to see all their athletes, which I know I know who they have. I want to go see Eli Sanders. Hopefully, he's healthy. I know he got banged up last week. Um, you know, Mikey Keene, all the receivers, you know, everyone. And then, like I said, I want to see how Desert Vista kind of reacts to that level of talent across from them. I'm excited for that one. Are there other games that you have, you know, that you're just excited to see the scores of things of that sort? Um, I'm really, I'm really interested to see how Desert Ridge bounces back after being off for two weeks and they play Williamsfield. Um, I think that'll be kind of an interesting one. Now, before the season started, I thought for sure, maybe those two teams were going to be, you know, maybe in conversation for the open or at least like a higher seed in the six, a playoffs. Um, obviously that can still happen, you know, just depending on how, how things are going this year. But, um, I think it'll be, I I just want to see how desert Ridge reacts to the time off that they've had. Um, Castile at Chaparral is also very interesting to me. Um, I still believe Castile could potentially be in the open division conversation. Um, but they literally cannot lose anymore. And then finally, I don't know if I should necessarily, you know, say say this like so blatantly, I guess you can say, because I think Hamilton knows how good Highland is and can be. But I have to imagine this might be a trap game for the Huskies. It's going to be a tough one. I mean, because ha- I mean, Hamilton's undefeated, obviously. Yeah. Um, Highlands coming in four and one. They just lost to Queen Creek, who bounced back after you know a rough couple weeks. Um, this game last year came down to the last second, like literally a game of inches. So, I mean, I'll be interested to see how this one how this one plays out this year with Highland having a pretty good defense. Um, and obviously Hamilton being strong on both sides of the ball. So uh, that's another one that I'm going to keep in my eye on for uh, keep my eye on for sure. It is going to be a really good one. I think Highland never, ever, ever backs down from anyone. Um, two years ago, they were as good as anyone in the state last year. They were a really, really solid team. And this year they've got another, a number of guys back. And I, I think you're right. This is going to be one that uh, you can call it whatever, a trap game or a tough one or whatever. They're going to be battle ready. And I think that Hamilton, it's going to probably be Hamilton's toughest test to this point. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it will be. Um, You know, I, I know some would say, oh, well, they played Centennial, but that was a different Centennial team than what we saw against Chandler. Um, Centennial's obviously very much improved since that loss to Hamilton. Um, I think if you if those two teams played again, I think it'd be a lot closer of a matchup this time. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know obviously Sawara was very tough for Hamilton, but I think when it comes to the six A level, this this I think will definitely be Hamilton's toughest test of the year so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Saguaro, like I said, is one of those that's kind of on, a, on another level. But um, 
What about you? Any other games that you're kind of keeping your eye on? So in the West Valley, there are two in particular that I'm really excited for. Um, and if I wasn't, I've checked out three of the four of these teams so far, but they're going to be really interesting ones. So the first one is actually um, a team that has maybe surprised a few people. Northwest Christian, um, they they didn't want to be in 4A, but at this point, they're undefeated in the conference. Um, they have scored 50-plus points every single game in their four they've played this year, 54, 58, 56, and 52, and never given up more than 12. They're 4-0 and just have been absolutely destroying people, but they're going up against Cactus, who many now believe is one of the best teams in 4A, and I maintain is one of the championship favorites in that conference. And that's going to be a really tough one. I think cactus. That, I think cactus is is definitely a four A 4A contender. Yeah, definitely. And so it's going to be interesting to see. They haven't been Northwest Christian has not had to play a close game, and I think cactus is going to come out and hit them. And it's going to be a really really tough one. So I'm interested to see how that goes because cactus can't lose any more games if they want to be one of the top seeds, they've lost twice already to two great teams, but they can't lose anymore. If they want to consider themselves one of the, you know, one of the top seeds and maybe even an open contention, though, I don't think that they're going to be that. Yeah, Um, exactly. And then the other Uh, one I really, really am excited for is sunrise mountain is playing against desert edge. Oh man. Sunrise Mountain is coming off of, a tough loss against Ironwood, who played absolutely amazing football in a 20 to 11 win. Will Haskell threw three touchdowns after being injured the week before. So it seems to be he came back all right. But that one is going to be um, a legitimate game for, you know, who has a shot at the open. And I think if Sunrise Mountain wins against Desert Edge, they have a shot. Um, and then if Desert Edge wins, obviously they'll still be undefeated and they have a real great shot at it. So um, I think that one's going to be really exciting. Yeah. And you know what I want to do right now, Eric, because I want to bring on our good friend Richard Smith. Um, you know, obviously does a great job covering uh, West Valley preps. Uh, he's also part of the independent uh, newspapers. Um, just does a great job in the West Valley in general. So I want to bring him on. I want to see where he's going this week. But more importantly, I want to get to know him a little bit better. How about you? Sounds good to me. Right on. Here is Richard Smith. We're now joined by Richard Smith. He is the sports editor for West Valley Preps and Independent Newspapers. Richard, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're going to kind of get into a couple things, uh, most of which in this segment, our Meet the Media segment is what we call it. Um, we kind of get to know our fellow media members a little bit more, how they kind of got into this business. Um, you know, what's kind of been some of the highlights of their careers, their most memorable moments, maybe some of the moments that they, you know, want to forget. But Eric and I, being who we are, like to bring those up. Um, (laughs) So, you know, just to kind of start, how did Richard Smith get into this profession? Where did it all begin for you? Um, The funny thing is, I never 
did a singles journalism story in uh, or worked on a newspaper until my sophomore year of college. Um, I, I always thought I was a pretty good writer and, you know, guy like sports can write a little bit. He says, yeah, sure. I'll make that a career. So, um, I went to NAU and, uh, after the first year, just working odd jobs to kind of pay the rent, I, um, tried out for the lumberjack and, um, began covering NAU sports for them. And, you know, um, spent two semesters as a sports editor up there and my last semester at college as the paper edit papers editor. Do you, do you have a favorite memory of covering that? Like, do you have a, a particular story or a game you remember from being at the lumberjack? Because, um, you know, it seems like everybody that comes out of there really enjoys that experience. Oh yeah, it was great. Um, it was, it and it was a really cool time in NAU's uh, sports history, too, because I worked there from uh, fall of 95 to spring of 98. So in that time, I got to see the first uh, NAU team that uh, made the one, it was one double A then playoffs. And that was a team that averaged about 45 points a game. Um, it had Archie Amerson, who won the Walter Payne Award. This was the 96 team. And um, also Travis Brown, who went on to a career as the backup for the Bills. He was a freshman that year. And maybe, at certainly at that time, before there were a lot of spread offenses, one of the few teams that you'll ever see with a 2000 plus yard rusher and a 3000 plus yard quarterback. And then, um, so the later that year, NAU won the big sky, uh, regular season championship. And then the player of the year name was Charles Thomas, their point guard, uh, tore his ACL in the final game and they lost in the first round of the tournament. But then the next year they came back in 98 and I got to cover uh, the Big Sky Tournament, and I think they still do this, where it's at the winner's court. And um, they beat Montana State in the final, went to their first NCAA tournament, and pushed uh, Ruben Patterson's Cincinnati team to, I think they lost by three and had a shot uh, to tie it in the final minute. Wow. That's crazy. Would would you say that was probably one of your favorite moments uh, there with NAU? Yeah, I didn't get. Um, yeah, I didn't have the budget to go up to Boise for that one. And oh, okay. The funny thing, the funny thing was, um, I actually that was spring break week, so I was down in the valley, and um, I had actually been covering them, kind of as a side gig, because um, I was editor of the paper that semester but I covered him as a side gig for the AP and uh, went down and sched And I later realized I scheduled uh, the AP entrance test about an hour and a half after tip off of that game. 
So they were nice. Steve Elliott and the guys were nice enough to delay it like a half an hour so I could watch the end. So instead of, you know, a crazy crowd in, in Boise, I ended up um, watching it in a sterile AP office in downtown Phoenix. <laughs> um, That's awesome. <laughs> I was just going to ask, what's the next step after you leave NAU? Where'd you go next? I actually uh, did the Pulliam Fellowship in the summer of 98 at the Republic. And I, you know, that was wrapping up. I got um, an interview with the Daily News Sun, as it was called then. It was uh, the paper out in Sun City. And at the time, the third of three dailies in the Valley. And we, um, I stayed on like three extra weeks. I was at the West Valley Bureau of the Republic. And then, so I pretty much uh, start, ended the fellowship and the next week started at the Daily News Sun. And, you know, we've had several owners, we've had a complete sale, but I've really been, I've pretty much been there ever since. Yeah, and you do a great job covering, obviously, all the West Valley schools out there. Um, what's kind of been one of your, I guess, best memories, um, you know, whether it be Centennial football, obviously, being a power, um, you know, obviously, some very good volleyball and basketball programs out there as well. Um, what's kind of been your favorite memory um, well, covering the, all of those? West the Valley funny schools? thing is um, the job I took at the Daily News Sun I actually, um, now it's it's changed its name and everything. It's the Surprise Independent. But my original job was editor of what they called the Surprise Today paper. And they were taking it to a weekly. And really, except for maybe, you know, a story about Dysert High Sports, I didn't do much sports writing for almost 10 years. And... The guy who really started the coverage of this area was a guy named Mark Buckout. He was a fellow NAU grad. I, he, he, you know, I think he's a little before both your guys' time. And unfortunately, he, he passed away in 2014. Um, but he, um, <laughs> we had the, uh, the famous uh, Super Bowl where the Giants prevented the Patriots' undefeated season uh, at the University of Phoenix back then. Uh, we had one pass for our entire newspaper that the NFL lent us. Uh, Mark had been a um, sports reporter covering the high schools for eight years at that point. And they gave the pass to our web designer to write a blog. <laughs> so he left two weeks wow. later. <laughs> I can't blame him. <laughs> and uh, suddenly, suddenly I was covering sports wow. again. And, and this was like right in the, like he left. So it's like that. And right in the middle, uh, this is like, you know, Richard, can you write this stuff? I know you like sports. Um, there's a basketball playoff game tomorrow. Can you go? <laughs> so that's well, and in right. typical, you know, they're no longer around, so I can talk crap about them. But in typical um, 
Daily News Sun slash uh, I think it was it was Freedom uh, newspapers at the time decision making. We um, so the West Valley Prep site was actually up in two thousand seven, at and at the time um, we were actually a um, sister paper of the Tribune and the Ahwatukee Foothills News. And we were all under one umbrella, and they they decided, well, you know, Mark does all this preps coverage. Let let's start a website. Two weeks before they actually started the website, they didn't have a name. <laughs> it's 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 ludicrous now when you mm-hmm. think about it. And they actually thought, you know, well, Varsity Extra has its own website. Why don't we give this website its own, you know, site? And it's like, well, no, we're we're going to call it West Valley Preps. And like, well, we've never called it West Valley Preps before, but I'm sure thousands of people come flocking in. <laughs> so <laughs> what I found um, after that, Mark, you know, when Mark left, myself and Michael Melissa, who's another guy that doesn't get enough credit, because we pretty much split preps in half. He covered a lot of the girls' sports and uh, probably covered in those years more title games than I did. Uh, with you know powerhouses like Sunrise Mountain softball and Deer Valley softball when they had Lauren Hager, um, but they um, you know we pretty much tried to keep the side alive, and for a year or so it didn't look like it was going to. And I think when the publisher of the paper told me, you know. It, it, the numbers aren't good and I'm thinking of shutting it down. I was like, you know what? I enjoy, And this was 2009. I started covering in 08. I said, you know what? I, I really enjoy this. And it was, a, you know, I was still doing editing and page design, but it was a second chance to do what I really enjoyed. That's awesome. That's really cool. And I, you and I have even talked about that a little bit before, how, it was kind of like somewhat of like what Varsity Extra does or did at the time. And, you know, what I've been right. trying to keep it going with, I guess you could say, um, is kind of how West mm. Valley Preps was born a little bit. But uh, which is it's really cool. You and I have had really right. good conversations yeah, it was, about that. Especially. Well, and at, and at first and I learned something actually in the second week of covering because First game I ever covered was 2008. It was Centennial Desert Ridge for football. And Centennial was a two-time defending state champion. And I hadn't watched any high school football in about probably 14 years since I was in high school. And, you know, they won, but they had like four or five turnovers. And I'm thinking, these guys are the champions. They kind of suck. <laughs> and and then I, you know, <laughs> went and saw the other teams like, oh, okay, no, they actually are really good. But um, this, so the next week um, I'm covering Cactus and I asked, uh, a, you know, a stringer that wanted to cover at the, the, the big game of the year between two Arizona teams that year, which was Centennial Hamilton at Centennial. And so he said, yeah, sure, I'll cover it. And I get back the story and Centennial um, beat Hamilton. I believe it was 35-18, It was a close game that they just punished them at the end and won going away. And there was, you know, it was like a 
400 word story with one quote from Richard Taylor. And after that, I was like, okay, I have to be more hands-on and I have to, you know, I have to, (laughs) I have to go these games. And for like the first four or five years, you know, Twitter, I didn't have a Twitter account. So it was really, and we didn't have any brand recognition. So it was a lot of just trying to build up word of mouth and trying to get the, you know, and that's what's cool about social media. Now you actually get feedback like the decade before you guys came in, we had no idea who was reading our stories or if they liked it or what they didn't like. So. It's crazy. Um, So I know in your coverage, you're mostly kind of the Northwest Mm -hmm. Valley. You go all the way up to surprise um, mountain Ridge, Peoria, uh, uh, North Peoria, that area, Liberty, um, uh, you're not as Southwest. Um, I know you cover Millennium, Estrella Foothills, but no. not into the the Buckeye and some of the other Goodyear schools and everything. But how have you seen um, sports and, you know, the West Valley just grow overall in this time? Because the, the expansion right. has just been huge um, in the last few years. Is it Has that kind of um, uh, made a mark on the sports oh, yeah, out definitely. that way as well? Um you know, it hasn't quite hit the Dysert schools yet, although you're starting to see some of that. Dysert has, you know, their problem is there. there's so many established um, programs in the Peoria schools that parents can just drop their kids off on the way there to that you see a, a right. lot of good athletes from Surprise end up at a Centennial or Liberty or like, you know, Sunrise Mountain softball or Cactus softball, you know, draws like that. But, you know, to give you an, an, an idea, the first like full year I covered, Liberty didn't even have a senior class. You know, Kellis just had its first senior class. Those were brand new schools. Shadow Ridge, I think, had freshmen. And yeah, I think that was it. Um, So now, you know, Valley Vista, I think, was just starting its senior class. And now you look and, you know, Valley Vista has 2,600 students. Liberty's bursting at the seams. They probably have more students than... (laughs) I mean, in a normal year, I don't know if they'd be able to find room for all of them. So, yeah, you can definitely see uh, the difference in quality. Um, although, and it's something a lot of people talk about now, there's so many, even from when I started 12 years ago, there's so many more quality athletes throughout the Valley. It's, it's kind of astounding. Do you has, uh, go, go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was just going to ask you, has it been kind of not, I guess for lack of a better term, kind of weird to see the power shift, I guess you can say from maybe like a centennial to, or like any of those other West Valley schools to the East Valley um, schools as of late? No, you always felt. And I think even, uh, and you know, probably one of my bigger memories was, 2015, which was the first year the AIA said, let's try something different. And they ended up with that uh, 17-team Super Division One in football. 
and watching Centennial win that oh, yeah. was yep. was pretty amazing. And you did feel, um, I mean, I remember the lead of the story I wrote. The crowd didn't chant Centennial. They didn't chant players. And it was at University of Phoenix. So it was a largely, and they were playing Desert Ridge. So it was a largely Centennial crowd. They chanted West Side. You know, it was like a badge of honor. So Centennial, I think, even as well as they played when it comes to playing like a Hamilton or a Chandler in later years, um, they still feel like the underdog. Now, the, the roles are reversed out in the West Valley. And for me, it's really intriguing when you see a West Valley team that's able to hang with Centennial and sometimes beat them. Those are the most interesting games to me. And the last four or five years, that's really been Liberty. But, you know, it, it, and this is, again, this is probably, you know, you guys, I think were in college at the time, but, you know, Deer Valley and Centennial used to have some wars early in the last decade. Yeah, that's, uh, and it, part of, um, you know, you and I, you, you more so than me, um, cover the, the West Valley so heavily. Um, and I've kind of relied on you once I started covering it about a year and a half, two years ago, um, for some of your knowledge about, um, you know, some of the programs and teams out there. Uh, whenever I see you on the sidelines, we always have a nice chat about, uh, who's doing well and what sport and everything like that. Do you, do you have like a complicated note taking system? Um, how do you kind of remember who's, uh, all the stuff that's going on because you cover so many teams, um, and so many different sports. Yeah, I'm it sure is. Um, I, I do tend to limit it to the team sports. I don't do a lot of individual sports covers. Like the last couple of years, I really had no excuse because I'm up. I live actually about five or 10 minutes from Cave Creek. So I was like, okay, I, I kind of have to do the, the cross country finals, but like I don't go and do the track finals. Right. You know, I'll, I'll try to profile the, the best athletes as much as I can. So I limit it to the team sports, but, you know, I do kind of, I kind of have a photographic memory, at least to some degree, although I'm, it's not as good as it used to be when I was younger. Um, but I, I do a lot of, uh, I, I rely on that pretty heavily. And, you know, over the years, you develop a rapport with certain coaches and, you, you kind of, you slip back into talking about what happened the year before, two or three years ago, and this kid reminds me of this kid. And that kind of helps jog your memory too. Um, but it mostly it's about building that relationship with the coaches and, you know, sometimes the parents and the admin, but I, I do, you know, I do try to, beyond uh, the interviews kind of talk shop with the coaches some too. Yeah. I think that's something that I feel like the, you know, all three of us do. And I can speak on behalf of, you know, 
probably several other media members too that just kind of every now and then have just kind of a, right. a casual conversation with the coach. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation like that with Dan Hines from Desert Vista just a couple, you know, a couple of days ago, really just, I think I asked him one or two questions about his new field. And after that, we just kind of talked mm-hmm. about ourselves and our personal lives and how we're doing personally through obviously a tough time. So it's always nice to be able to have that type of relationship right. with, with coaches, especially, um, you know, one thing I want to ask you as well. So this is a weird yeah. season for every fall sport. Uh, it's shortened. Um, you know, every game counts a little bit more than the others. Is, is there one team that you tend to, I guess, lean towards or like sway towards or whatever that is kind of surprising you the most this season with maybe their performance, um, whether it be well, good or bad? I think where we are, the, the easy answer would be Sunrise Mountain football. And, and to be clear, um, you know, I never did a preseason rankings, but if I did, I would have put them at four in uh, 5A behind Saguaro, um, Desert Edge, and Notre Dame Prep. Um, so I knew they'd be good. I didn't know that they would be this good, and I didn't, you know, Eric was there as well. And I don't think either of us expected them to erase a 14 uh deficit that Liberty put on him probably about what, five, six minutes and or felt like it. And yeah, it was, uh, it was the, um, the second yeah. or third play from scrimmage that Liberty threw that long touchdown pass. And right. it looked like it might even be and a blowout. It's weird because, you know, the last couple of years, um, Sunrise Mount was in the same league with Centennial and they couldn't do that. Now, the 2018 Centennial team is one of the most dominant teams I've seen. Um, and I I think actually pe- more people would talk about them except for that Geico Bowl. And honestly, I think that was because they stopped playing because they had three weeks off. Because that team was probably the most locked-in high school football team I've seen. And they just went out and would embarrass everyone. But even last year when uh, Centennial, you know, didn't have one, they had a very good team, but not one of their elite teams, Sunrise Mountain didn't really compete with them in that game. So I didn't, I thought they would be better this year. I didn't think that they would look like, you know, a top 10, uh, maybe even an open eight team. I didn't expect that, but they're far more complete than they've ever been this has to be their best defense, and I'm really – I'm not going to be at that game. Uh, Matt Loeschman's going to go to it for us, but I'm really interested to see how they do against Desert Edge. I think that's a play-in game for the Open 8. Yeah, you know, Sunrise Mountain was one of those teams where, I, mm-hmm. you know, they're always pretty good, but – I don't know. Like I, when I saw the score of the Mesquite game, mm-hmm. and obviously Mesquite almost came back, but I was kind, I was honestly, I was pretty surprised. Like I thought, okay, well maybe mm-hmm. Mesquite just didn't have a very good game or whatever. But now that I've seen what Sunrise Mountain's been able to do the last couple weeks, I mean, it it seems well, like they're and for the, real. The other part, the things that I did know about them was. 
about seven or eight of these kids actually started as sophomores. And um, obviously they don't get the transfer bonanza that Saigu does. But as freshmen, this class beat Saguaro and Liberty and was undefeated. So I knew it was a special group. Uh, the ironic thing is now I, I'm only 95% sure on this, but uh, Kayla Knapp, the kid who caught that opening touchdown pass Eric was talking about, I'm almost positive he was the quarterback of that Sunrise Mountain freshman team. And then he transferred to Liberty two years ago. And you get all those with those two schools, you get all oh, wow. kinds of crazy stories like that. Wow. I two miles. That. And those two it's schools are pretty of, close, right? The, the, yeah. The rivalry in the East Valley, I'd say it's probably the most like is Higley and Williamsfield because they're that close and one school's about, you know, 10 years older than the other, but the newer schools have been dominating the rivalry for the most part. Um, so, you know, yeah. they stopped, they actually stopped playing for about four years because uh, Liberty had won. I believe they, they were four and zero in the rivalry and Liberty was growing so fast that sunrise, you know, they kind of shied away. And then, in uh, Chase Cord's senior year, 2016, they went back, and and that was also Steve Decker's first year as head coach. And thankfully, they've they've played ever since. Because even with like a you know a fifth of the crowd you would normally have, it's still it's a special atmosphere. What's a day in the life of Richard Smith like? Because I know you have so many different. You have your writing, and you do so many other things. Like, what is um, how many different responsibilities do you have? What are you doing? As as you guys will be probably well aware of, because of the pandemic, you had to pick up a news job. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So I'm now I I well the first like from from 2013 to 20 about 17, I finally you know I I had to make a choice and I had to kind of con one of my coworkers into taking over my editing job and page designing. And he was fine because he didn't want to write, but I had to make a choice. You're either going to be an editor or a reporter. And so I chose reporting, but my, uh, the old paper, we were still the daily news Sun. We didn't sell to the independent until, uh, 2016. Um, but in that, in that time, um, they had me as the surprise uh, reporter and the West Valley preps reporter. So those days were crazy. Uh, now it's not quite as bad. I just do the one story for surprise each week and then, you know, the usual stuff for preps. And it's different. Um, there's less printed product. You know, our Glendale papers a monthly, our Peoria papers a twice monthly. So you're writing for the website more. But I would say I probably write four to five stories a week. Yeah. Um, cover two to three games. Um, and of course, that's, you know, that's web only now. And, you know, they they want you to do special stories for the paywall and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, yeah. You guys we, are well aware. Yeah. We, for me, we don't really have a paywall for anything, but for right, me, it's I more know. like, you know, ga- <laughs> it's more like game stories are only online and then yeah, pretty much just find a good feature to put in print. So, yep. um, but, and you, so we're going to, you may have already mentioned it, but what game are you planning to cover this week? The luckily this one after driving, I drove out to Desert Edge last week. This one's like three to five minutes away. I got uh Peoria at Northwest Christian. Ooh, okay. That's a really intriguing game. Um, Northwest Christian, you know, I, I'm not gonna pretend to know all the inner workings of the lawsuit and everything, <laughs> but I do think it was more parent and um upper administration driven than it was the team and it's a weird you know dave ennis is in a weird position because he's the coach and he's the athletic director and he testified during that thing but then he's got to go back and you know tell the kids okay here we go uh but the funny thing is all the kids you know unless they unless they rehearsed it <laughs> They are legitimately thrilled to have a, a crack at 4A. And this isn't their, uh, you know, their 2018 team probably was the most talented team. And, and that one had a line that was like 250 pounds across. This one's smaller, um, but they have about 14 or 15 starters coming back. And I really think they're a sleeper in 4A. And we're certainly going to find out in the next three weeks because they, you know, they've been abusing kind of the mediocre teams in in 4A. Um, but now they go Peoria, Cactus, and ALA to, to finish. Yeah. Uh, what about next week? What game you got? That one, I'm, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I want to, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up, um, that'll be my yearly check-in on Centennial because, you know, Matt almost treats Centennial like his beat. And it was at one point, actually the first year I covered out here, he, he, um, he was working for the independent then. And his side gig was actually writing game recaps for every game for the Nintendo or for the Centennial football website. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, so the next year he left to go back to Texas and yeah. So, you know, he, he was in the Austin area, so he's covering, you know, I, they had almost like a TV, you know, not, not just like the AZ preps game of the week, but I think half the teams in Texas had that set up for their team where there's a pregame show, there's a postgame show, there's, you know, chalk talk. It's crazy, some of the stuff. Yeah. He was. So then he came back here in 2018, and Centennial's the only team that still has the same coach, and he just kind of fell back in, and he covers them. So I think I'm going to go there. Uh, they play Brophy that week and check out what they have. I am actually going to go there sometime this week because they've had three kids commit in the last two or three months uh, to D1 schools, two of them to NAU. So I'm going to interview those kids. And, you know, um, 
I, I don't know if there's anyone that's beating either of the two Chandler schools this year, but it'll be interesting to see if they, if they have something to say, um, you know, the year they did win that super division 2015 and they were more loaded then yeah. they had like 15 starters coming back from a state champ, five, uh, a state champ. But even then, you know, they lost to Hamilton in the regular season. They actually lost to Liberty in the final game of the regular season, and they won uh, the Super Division as the sixth seed, which no one would really expect. And they beat, they were down like 16 points to Hamilton going in the fourth. And I know Ralph was at that game, and it's still one of those seminal games. And they came back and won by 11, and then they just weren't going to be stopped after that. So they, they will get better as the year goes on and they'll have somewhat of a shot and Liberty might, I mean, you know, I, I saw them in the sunrise loss, but they, they played Chandler the best anyone else has. And they had a huge win last week at Queen Creek. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I know that I was actually, Really surprised to see that they beat Queen Creek, to be completely honest, because Queen Creek is one of those teams that everyone kind of predicted to break into the open as potentially a top right. four team. I thought they were, you know, behind Chandler and Hamilton. I thought it was a pick em between Centennial and Queen Creek for the number three team in 6A. Yeah, Going no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, I remember uh, that super division when Centennial won. I mean, I think it was kind of a shock to a lot of people, but, um, you know, that was also one of Desert Ridge's best teams that they've ever had, too. Right. Well, and, you know, I that the only thing that, you know, you talk about the great games, um, I didn't get to see the Hamilton one. I've seen it since on tape, and it's crazy. But what you could have had that year... Um, if Desert Ridge didn't pull a humongous upset over Chandler, I would love to see how Centennial and that Chandler team matched up in 2015 because yeah. Centennial, um, they were good and something happened in that Hamilton game and they raised their play like two or three levels and it didn't matter what anyone threw at them. They, one, I mean, you know, as as well as you know, Desert Ridge, that title game, Centennial just physically pushed them around, and you don't do that to Desert Ridge nine no. times out of ten. Not they at just all. mauled them. Yeah, they they ran for about two hundred fifty yards in that game. They were just, and it was after they lost. Uh, the crazy thing was earlier that year, Marshall Navy, who went on to ASU and was their best lineman at the time, like stepped in a hole on the sideline and tore his ACL. Oh, man. And they put in a kid who was, you know, not uh, not as refined, but bigger. <laughs> he was like 6'7", 320. I'm like, only Centennial can lose an ASU commit on their line and get bigger. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh <laughs> Richard, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation, kind of, uh, kind of a trip down memory lane for all the some of the great high school moments that we've had here in the valley and uh, in the state, I should say too. So, um, on behalf of myself and Eric, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, it was great speaking with you again. 
Absolutely, guys. That was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you again to Richard Smith for joining us again. Does a great job over there covering West Valley preps. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at rsmithywv. Uh, obviously, all of his stories are on there. He's also doing some new stuff there, news coverage in the West Valley. Definitely give him a follow. Um, Eric, now that we've kind of covered, one, who Richard Smith is, and two, the games that not only you and I were at last week, but what we plan to be at this week, what I want to do, because we are getting down to the point where some of the rankings are going to be coming out. Now, the AIA already said that it had to delay the first rankings. They were supposed to be released on November 3rd. However, now they're going to be released November 10th for the first time for the two-way through open division uh, conferences, I guess you can say. Um, I want. I know you hate rankings, so I'm just going to put a disclaimer correct. out there right now for everyone listening. If Eric gives us a ridiculous prediction... It's because he's not really taking it as seriously as, as other people do. Eric, if the open division playoffs started this week, who do you think would be in the top eight? You don't have to give me in specific order, but who do you think is in the open division? This is right now or who I think is going to make it at the end of the season. Let's do that. Who you think is going to be in by the end of the season? Okay, so we've got Chandler, Hamilton, Saguaro. Unless I said in no I, I said no particular order, Eric. Yes, but those are the three <laughs> shoe ins, right? Yeah, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. Unless I, something I... crazy happens, those are the three shoe ins. Okay. Desert Edge is going to make it even if they lose against Sunrise Mountain this week. Okay. I think that their um uh, their seven and one would be good enough to get them in. So that's four, right? That's four. I think that we could see, and this might surprise you, we could see Sunny Slope because okay. they could go 6-0. and Interesting. And they would okay. have to beat Boulder Creek at the end of the year to do it, which is a yep. legitimate win. If that doesn't happen, I think Boulder Creek is actually open-bound. They would be, okay. if they win the next three, they would be seven and one with only one loss at Castile by a single point, who is going to be one of the top six A teams. Okay. Okay. I can respect that. Um, Are you ready for mine? Yeah. I didn't give you eight, which is perfect. But Wait, how many did you give me? How many did you give me? There? I was just saying if and if and if. Um, wait, you said because you said you said Sunny Slope, you said Desert I Edge. I actually did this on purpose. I did this on purpose to kind of get you off the scent because I don't like rankings. So okay, the, okay, so it was so, just a vessel to get to your rankings anyway. So okay, so no, 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 we're we're gonna make you finish. Chandler Hamilton, Saguaro, Desert, Desert Edge, Edge, Sunny Slope, or Boulder Creek. Whoever wins that game at the or end, or Boulder of the Creek. Okay, that's five then. Because you put an or in between those. Fine. So who's your who's your last three? Um, Post and Butte. Okay. And hmm, that's tough. Is are the Tucson teams is Cell Point Catholic eligible? Yes, they are. So I think they could be one up there if they are able to go uh, win their next three versus Mountain Ridge. 
Mountain View Marana, and then at Desert Mountain. If they're able to win those three and be three, a six and zero, oh, I think they are an open team. Okay. What's that? Six. Yep. And though I thought it was going to be Cibola, it turns out Gila Ridge is the team from Yuma that's murking everyone. <laughs> they are postseason ineligible, but. I think that they should be, even though they're not able to. How about if Northwest Christian is actually able to win their next two? I don't think they will, but should they be in the open if they beat Cactus and ALE Queen Creek and are 6-0 and in 4A play? Look, I don't mean this in a bad way to Northwest Christian, but... They would lose by 70. Well, well, here's my thing. If you fought so hard not (laughs) to go from the 3A to the 4A, the last thing you want to do is be in the open division because you know very well because you don't have a Bajan Robinson or a Lathan Ransom on your team, you're not going to be top four in the open division. You could play 12 games, go 12-0, and and everyone else plays eight, and you're not going to be in the top four. And I and I mentioned I mentioned you know Lathan and Bajan and Sal Point because they were so dominant for so long it was almost horrible for them to go undefeated like they did and you not put them in the top four like they were. Yep. But Northwest Christian, I'm sorry, but if you fought so hard not to be in the foray, and then you run the table and get to the open division, that literally could be your worst nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think they'd want that. And I don't think it's going to happen anyway. And I don't blame them for not wanting that. Yep. (laughs) Um, I have one more surprise for you. And this actually isn't even a joke. Coconino. Flagstaff, we've interviewed Lance Hartzler, the the sports editor up there. Coconino's 5-0. They have games against Mingus Union, which is one and four, and Flagstaff, which is three and two. They have a legitimate shot at being seven and zero in four A. Their strength of schedule isn't great. They've played mostly teams with losing records. Their closest game was an overtime win against Marcos Deniza. Is that a is that an open team if they go undefeated in four A? Here's my thing. Now, when I give you my rankings, I'm going to have a 4A team in there simply for the reason that I believe there will be at least one. But I highly, highly doubt there will be two. Agreed. And, I don't and think the there should be. It, yeah. And, and, you know, some make the argument that there shouldn't even be one in there. It should only be 5A and 6A. But I think, you know, obviously last year, the open division, it's no secret. It was created for Saguaro and it was created for Centennial. Yep. Centennial was 5A at the time. Saguaro was 4A at the time. That's why they said 4A through 6A can get in. Um, you know, now though, I mean, I've heard several Arizona varsity, you know, team members say that there's the 4A has no business trying to compete in the open division with those other 5A and 6A teams, which for in, in some ways I can kind of see why they would think that. Um, so 
to answer your question, I think either Post and Butte or Coconino, not both. I don't Agreed. think you can. I don't think you put two four A teams in there. I don't think so either. Especially, and it's not even. It, a... I don't, I don't, well, I don't even want to say it's like a talent thing because I don't want to like make that sound bad. It's just a simple fact of look at Coconino's roster compared to other teams. Look at Post and Butte's roster compared to other teams. Please tell me where if someone, God forbid, gets hurt, who's going to step in and still have the same impact? No kidding. Like, like honestly, I mean, these other teams just have so much more depth. It just, it just wouldn't be fair. I don't think. Agreed. No, it wouldn't. I don't think they should be in it, even if they were winning every single game by fifty. I just, it doesn't make any sense. And it's the depth, and that's what you said. Is even if they have four or five amazing starters, Mesquite has probably the best quarterback in the state. And they've got one or two other studs. But it's when you get to player seven and player eight and player 13 and player 22 and player 30 that it just it starts to fall apart for these smaller teams. Yeah, And it's nothing against them. They don't have the same numbers of kids in the school. Um, so you would presume less athletes come out. And especially when now people are able to transfer and everything if you're an amazing athlete in one of those areas, why not be it whatever other school? Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough, but let's hear your eight. So, uh, I'll be honest. My, so my eight, you're going to see in the Ocho coming up, uh, through Arizona varsity. I think it's being published, um, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so I will actually go in order of what I think could possibly happen. Now, my eight seed, I will say, is kind of a disclaimer uh, because I literally, looking at it right now, I just changed it. Um, so <laughs> it's so arbitrary. <laughs> well, it's so what, dumb. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain why I changed it. <laughs> All right, uh, Chandler, <laughs> Chandler, Hamilton, Desert Edge. Then I have Saguaro. And the only reason for that is because I think, obviously, a one-loss Saguaro team might drop a little bit. Um, Centennial, despite the two losses. Corona del Sol. Post and Butte. And then an eight seed. Right now, I just changed it to South Point Catholic. Who I had in there before was Highland. Now, granted, the only reason I did that is because Highland lost to Queen Creek. They play Hamilton, then they play Chandler, then they play Higley. Honestly, if Highland can beat Hamilton or Chandler, and then obviously win, you know, beat Higley, of course, they have to beat Higley too. If they can win two out of three of those games, sorry, let me let me back up. If they can beat either Hamilton or Chandler and, and beat Higley as well, I think a two-loss Highland team goes into the open division because of strength of schedule. Of course. Now, granted, if they if they fall if they fall to three losses, then they're done, and that's why I'm I'm going to take them out just for right now because South Point Catholic obviously they had the two weeks off because of COVID, um, but South Point Catholic still has a pretty decent schedule. They're probably going to be like maybe a one-loss team. I think they already have one loss on the year. Um, so I, I think 
I think Sal Point might sneak in there again. No, I'm sorry. Sal Point's undefeated. They're 3-0. and um, So, obviously, they can get to 6-0 and um, if they if they win out, obviously. And they had a, just had a really good win over Campo Verde, which is a very, very good team this year. And to your point, uh, Mountain Ridge is who they play. Then they play Mountain View Marana. And then they wrap up the season with Desert Mountain, who could also be undefeated at the time. So the the Mountain Ridge and Desert Mountain could be two very good wins. And depending on how Mountain View Marana does in the first couple weeks of their season, that could be looked at as a third good win for South Point. Definitely. And, Ca- and, and Casa Grande's doing very well this year as well. And like I said, Campo Verde is a good win. So, you know, strength of schedule there could be bumped up depending on how those other teams do. Um, so South Point could sneak in there, I believe, even despite missing two games. I agree. It's... Uh... It's a weird year. We've got a lot of weird things going on. And I think what's noticed notable is how that top four or five teams taking out Chandler and Hamilton rounds out in 6A. There's going to be some teams right at that bubble of making the open with a loss or two. Castile, Queen Creek, Highland, Boulder Creek. Centennial, just to name a few, all at that kind of same range with similar strength of schedules. Liberty's two losses right now. They've got Centennial at the end of the season. Whoever wins that is going to be another huge strength of schedule win. Yeah. I mean, especially because Liberty's only loss was Liberty's loss um, was Chandler and Sunrise Mountain. Yeah, and Sunrise Mountain is no slouch this year. Absolutely. And so what I what I'm saying is there's seven, eight, six, seven, eight teams that near that bubble of six A top seed to open. And depending on how a result of one game maybe goes, they could be in the open or they could be a five seed in the six A playoffs. It's kind of crazy, especially with an eight game season, everything is so compact. Um, it's, I don't know how other than this bizarre computer ranking, you even could judge that. Yeah. I don't know. And if anyone knows that, uh, that formula for the computer ranking, please try to explain it, you know, as as simply as possible, because I don't think anyone really knows. Um, so no, it'll be, it'll be definitely an interesting next couple of weeks. I mean, just to see kind of how everything plays out, um, you know, obviously Hamilton Chandler is going to be the big one in, in week eight. Um, you know, we're likely going to be talking about two undefeated teams that could potentially meet for a second time in the championship game, depending on, you know, how the seeds fall for the open division. So um, it'll be fun. It'll definitely be fun. How about in my rankings, if Saguaro falls to four seed, how about a uh, a Chandler Saguaro quarter or semifinal matchup in the open? That's the thing is one of those top three supposed teams that we mentioned before is two of them would end up having to play in the semifinals. Yeah. Um, and whether they're a three or a four, you know, it ends up being um, the one seed could end up having a supposed tougher matchup. If that goes the way you're saying, then um, a supposed desert edge or whoever it's, it's going to be a weird and exciting time. Um, And I'm just, I'm hoping COVID doesn't wreck any of these games. What happens if 
um, one of the teams has to do we get a forfeit because of COVID in the playoffs? I hope it doesn't happen, know. obviously, but yeah, like hope what, for the best. That's all I can say. Hope for yeah. the best. What if we just we get a we pull a USL and don't have a champion? <laughs> I'd be so mad. <laughs> Me too. I'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> we do oh, all this God. and then nobody wins why do you put that out there in the atmosphere bro that's what happened to the rising this weekend oh, they were supposed to I play know. in the championship game phoenix rising fc is the western conference champions and you're left wondering what oh, if and man. that would be not a good but a perfect ending it'll be so bad i'm gonna lighten that your mood so- Go for it, please. I don't know. I don't actually have anything. I figured just <laughs> me saying that would make you laugh a little bit. See, it worked. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, you know what, Eric? I'm going to eat another Honeycrisp apple. How about you that? You should. Let's wrap this up. Let's do it. Thank you all again for listening. Thank you again for Richard Smith uh, for joining us. And as always, give us all a follow on Twitter at Zach Alvira, at Human Rights, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. We really appreciate all of you listening every single week, and we could not do it without you. Uh, For my co-host, Eric Newman, my name is Zach Alvira, and we are signing off for the night. We will see you next week. I'm Pickle Rick!